You think if I drink this, I'll turn into a monster? Too late, Lex. Very funny. Could that be the antidote? Who knows? V25 untested. It's worth a try. Maybe this will tell us. We'll stop messing about then. Get on with it. Welcome to episode 42 of Conversational Eagle Mountain, a podcast about the tribe. I'm your host, Lance, and joining me on the podcast panel today is Carlin. Hello. And Liz. Hello. With episode notes done by Matt and myself. So episode 42, the screenplay was done by Anthony Reed. It was directed by Julian McSweeney. And the episode synopsis will be read out by Carlin. Amber, Bray, Lex and Dale head to Hope Island with the belief that they'll find some information about the cure for the virus. Unfortunately, what they find en route is an abandoned minefield. Meanwhile, Taizan begins showing symptoms of the virus, but refuses to treat it with science or technology. And Ryan catches Celine in the act of binging once again. Okay, panel, let's jump right into the opening scenario of this episode. Um, Lex and KC seem to have decided that the mall needs to be decontaminated due to Glenn's former presence. A seemingly logical idea, but the two end up spraying them all with furniture products and fly spray rather than cleaning fluids. <laughs> yeah. We've really discussed the failures of the writing department in addressing their inability to read with the use of clearly marked and pictured items, but does this not just make the two of them seem even more stupid than they already are? Uh, I think it speaks to desperation. Um, I, I actually do housekeeping for a living and I've had some moments where we had run out of disinfectant and it's important for making, especially like something smells really bad and even though you've cleaned it, you can't get rid of the odor. So you want to spray some disinfectant in the air to, to you know, so it smells good. I won't lie. There have been a couple of times I got desperate and I sprayed something that just because it smelled good or like remotely good, <laughs> like steel cleaner. <laughs> So, I mean, I kind of get it in a way. Oh, so they weren't in the wrong then. <laughs> oh, they were stupid. Absolutely. But it's like the desperate part of your brain rationalizing that maybe this will work. <laughs> okay, that's a good point, actually. You, yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> you know, like, I mean, this, aren't these all part of the cleaning category? <laughs> maybe there's something in here, you know. Yeah, it's uh, really dumb. <laughs> but I kind of get it. <laughs> It just goes back yeah. to what we talked about before. Like, it must have a picture of furniture or a fly, a massive fly on the on the spray bottle. Like, how can you confuse it with like cleaning? Yeah, I'm. I'm trying to think of it. I'm trying to like, okay, what do what does furniture polish usually have on the label for a picture? And I'm still kind of like, you got to be reaching if you think this is a cleaning product. So, I got nothing for him. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, it was it was pretty dumb. Um, uh, I feel like as of lately, there's been a lot of dumb things happening to Lex and, and uh, Casey. Do you think that was done on purpose to kind of de-escalate Lex's? I do think it was done on purpose. I don't know if it was done um, to like de-escalate or make us forget what Lex has already done. Um, they they tend to Lex does bad things. I mean, a character will do terrible things. And life will just simply move on as though they've never done it. So it's not just Lex they've done this with. And it's certainly not the first time they've done it with Lex. They did it with Celine as well. Um, I think it has more to do with trying to point out the irrational logic that the Mallrats start using as they're reacting to this situation. Because, like, the whole... Okay, the A, A plot of this episode is fantastic. B plot is just like oh my god who cares you know there's just a lot of dumb discussions and arguments happening and I, I feel like it's just showing how people react in a crisis you know we don't know what to do with ourselves and you know we look for distractions we look for petty stuff to be upset about so I don't know maybe they were just showing how irrationally dumb we can be when we're kind of freaking out yeah that makes sense it's just a thought like I honestly I, I can't I don't know <laughs> 
I just noticed in this episode that there was a lot of stupid, petty crap happening. And I'm like, I, I don't think it's an accident. People do panic and be, start behaving in really weird ways because of it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we'll definitely get to that in a bit about how people, different people react. But um, <laughs> just circling back to the idea of decontaminating the mall itself, um, what do you think about that? Do you think it was a good idea or do you think it was just kind of far too late to be trying to do that now mm, i'd do it mm. i mean it can't hurt it can't make it worse right <laughs> true yeah. yeah i don't think it can make it worse but for me personally i think it was far too late i think when they decided to allow patsy like they let her out and then they allowed glenn to like actually lay in one of their beds that was way too late for that yeah <laughs> like are you gonna burn that mattress <laughs> <laughs> right and the virus itself is is airborne, so there's not really much they can do at that point. It's already contaminated them all. Well, they don't know if it's airborne. They don't know how it transmits. Mm. Because remember, Lex and Patsy were both um, quarantined because they touched Glenn. And it was all about touch. And when they had their big, great moment, they all purposely made a point of touching each other. So they still don't know how the virus gets around. Hmm. I don't think it's a bad idea to try and decaminate them all. I mean, again, it can't hurt. <laughs> it might not help, but it can't hurt. And there may be other dangers there, worse than ghosts. Eh? Well, the place might be contaminated. Oh, yeah. Sure. It could be seriously contaminated. After discussing the plan to go to Hope Island as a tribe, Lex, Amber, Bray, Dow, and Bob set off. With Sandra having reiterated the dangers and horror stories of that place, and a group passing Glenn's burial site. Um, yeah, panel, did anyone think or feel that they could be foreshadowing a death or any serious events? Hmm. You know, I don't remember if that crossed my mind. Maybe? The tension is pretty good in the A-plot, so I think I was genuinely concerned about them. Like, oh my gosh, what are they going to get into? What might be there? Um, but I was also just eager to, like, let's do this. You got to do it. It's worth the risk. We need answers, you know? Yeah, I, I thought there were serious uh, events ahead. This is like my favorite episode of season one because I felt like now we're finally going to get all the answers. Like who who made the virus? Like why is the virus killing so many people? And it, like why is it now killing kids? So I was so excited to like finally get some answers. It does have a feeling of like death hanging over them though, especially reminding us of Glenn. So much in the episode, Zondra thinking about Glenn, his funeral pyre staring at it. It definitely is hanging out with them. Like, you know, Death is, he's that annoying kid who joins you at the table. Like, hey, what you guys doing? You have plans after school? And everyone's all awkward. Like, oh, hey, Death. Um, I mean, we, we were going to go to Jordan's house, but I don't think there's enough room in the car. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and then as far as Dale, Lex, uh, Bray, and Amber as the group that goes, um, I love that group, but now looking back at it, I kind of wish we would have saw, like, you know, other tribe members gone. I, I feel like that would have been <laughs> a lot more entertaining to see maybe, like, a Tyson and and then even uh, uh, a Zandra and how they would react to being on that island along with Ryan and uh, Casey. Yeah, the tribe at this point, the writers are definitely having A squad and a B squad. You can tell the <laughs> ones who get their the best plots and yeah. most interesting yeah. development and the ones who are just kind of filling out the room. And like, I can't help but feel like by this episode, some writers are playing favorites. Um, like, oh, convenient, Ryan has to be left behind again, you know? Um, it's got to be these guys who get to go and have this awesome adventure. It'd be different if the characters left behind got to do something very interesting as well, but instead they're just left to do a lot of annoying bickering and you don't want to be at the mall with them. So yeah, I, I kind of feel like at this point the writers have their favorites. <laughs> oh, yeah, that would have been, uh, been really good if Ryan would have went instead of Lex. And then it would have been awesome if they would have took Patsy, Patsy along with them. Like, I'm not saying that the, the group that went isn't a great group and isn't used well. But, again, it just kind of feels like they got to go because they're favorites. And the writers love writing them and know what to do with them. And the ones who stayed behind, they just don't get 
as much to do. You know, it's just a lot of busy work back at the mall. I don't know. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Definitely. Like, those guys got to go on the class trip to Washington, D.C., but the rest of you whose parents couldn't afford it, you have to sit in the lunchroom and hang out for a few days. <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> I mean, let's talk about the grouping, because do you think it was a sensible decision for all three tribe leaders to go? Hmm. I, at that point, I just feel like it made sense because they were the most sensible people to go. But again, it's because they've been written as the most sensible, mm. and no one else has really been given a chance to show that they could handle something like that. Um, I guess it makes sense. You wouldn't want to leave Lex behind. That's for sure. Because you don't know what he'll get up to next when you're not there. So better just keep him with you. And Ryan is definitely the best for taking care of them all and taking care of everyone there. And he's not going to cause any trouble. <sighs> you might need muscle. So you wouldn't want to take two guys. I guess it was a very sensible choice. But it just coincides with these also being the writer's favorite characters. Right. Yeah, I think... Uh, I think in terms of a writing standpoint, it was perfect to get these characters together because you have the the thing with Amber and Sasha, and now she's uh, kind of contemplating about being with Bray. And then you have uh, Dale, who's good at science and good at computers, so they wanted to bring him along. And then, honestly, Lex is such a wild card that you can put him in any scenario. <laughs> that he'll make it pretty entertaining let's talk about that point because i was gonna bring it up a bit later it, like dow and his kind of expertise with computers like why didn't they bring jack i mean ignoring the leg like he is the most important person to take along to this research facility um i think they remembered that they have dow and that he is also intelligent and they haven't given him anything intelligent to do for quite a while um so why not utilize him and I know, I was glad they took Dal instead of Jack, because... Dude, I would have picked Dal just because I wouldn't want to listen to Jack complain the whole trip. Stay here. <laughs> Stay here with your wrapped foot. I don't want to listen to this the whole freaking time. That's all Jack would have done the whole trip, is bitch and moan and complain. I was like, we already have Lex, we don't need Jack on top of it. <laughs> yeah, that I agree with, but <laughs> he's, he would be the most, he's the most like, crucial member to bring along, I think. He would have been, I suppose, but I still think the writers were like, we have to utilize, we forgot we haven't utilized Dal in a while, and Dal is also just as intelligent as Jack. He's also more pragmatic than Jack, which means he's better at solving problems. So, um, yeah, I, I think it was a good choice. Yeah, I agree. I think Dal definitely showed in this episode to, you know, calmer heads <laughs> prevail. <laughs> I do love how that... <laughs> <laughs> they got all the way to the shore and hadn't thought about how they were going to get to Hope Island. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was weird. And then looking back at the episode, I'm like, wait, how? What were they even thinking about? How, like, how to even travel there? What was the plan, guys? Like, it looks so far. I was surprised that they even got there today. <laughs> yeah, I was like, you guys didn't think of like as they were walking over. Like, okay, what should we do? How should we get over there? Um. I just thought that was funny. They literally reach the shore side and then go, okay, so how do we get over there? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, I would like, why didn't you head to the marina where there would be boats already? Because you just got lucky that there was a boat here that didn't sink. And this is the second time they've gotten lucky. There just happened to be a boat when they needed it. Um, yeah, I just thought that was just kind of funny. You know, <laughs> I didn't get there like, okay, now what? <laughs> yeah yeah and then a boat like that I, I thought that was pretty i thought it was pretty dangerous putting that many people in that in that kind of boat especially just the island looks super far away like thank you as I was in, gonna bring that up. <laughs> yeah like i was like you're not gonna that's not a, like a that's like a day's trip not within the hour or 30 minutes yeah that's definitely a dangerous trip um in that kind of boat and the fact that none of them have boating experience. This isn't rowing across a small river or something. Um, mm. Again, they don't know what shape this boat is in. That is a, that's a great distance they had to travel. And yes, they could probably do it in a couple hours. But um, in that rowboat, anything could happen out there. Then they're just trapped. You don't know how strong that current is. I get it. An audience of kids wouldn't think of it. They can see the island. And so they would think it's pretty close. But as adults, I'm like, that was crazy. <laughs> That was crazy! So dangerous. Kudos to them. 
Can you imagine rowing all the way across that, you guys? No, I cannot. <laughs> That's why I was like, no, we have to find another way. Like, I, I would have thought there would have been a bridge. Yeah, I would have been like, we need at least a small speedboat. You know, just a small one with those tiny little engines in it or whatever. That would make way more sense than them legit rowing across this thing. Like, oh my gosh, their arms would have been spaghetti by the time they were done. Yeah, I, I, I'm just trying to imagine them making that crossing in those choppy waters. It's like, wow. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's difficult. Casey, what are you doing? Oh, Ryan. Brace Mural, you've ruined it. No, please. Please don't hit me. My dad was always hitting me. What are you talking about? That's why I keep getting into trouble. I can't help it, honest. He used to bait me, something awful. I'm not going to hit you. Just give me the paint. Um, let's go back to the mall for a bit because we need to talk about KC. So with all the leaders away, the young lad runs completely amok in the mall, doing several things like defacing Bray's mural, um, which I thought was a particularly harsh act given that the group have completely dropped kicking him out of the mall. Um, he paints Porky, he roller skates through the corridors and breaks Tysan's circle and steals batteries. Um, yeah, panel, we, we know that everyone's feeding attention in this episode, but do you think this is really the case with KC? Um, yeah, what do you think is up with him? I think it's a classic case of acting out. I'm not saying it's okay. I don't approve of it. Um, if this was my child, I'd knock him out. But uh, I'm like, all right, that's enough. Okay, I know things are scary, but there's no reason to lose your mind. But I do think it's just he's acting out in response to all of this. And um, dealing with, it's, it's easier than dealing with any panicked thoughts, you know. And uh, yeah, I, I think that's all I think it is. I can't think of any other reason for why they would write Casey being this obnoxious at this point in time. Yeah, I agree. I definitely think it's acting out and then he, him just wanting attention since he's not getting that from Lex since Lex is gone. It's very irritating. I'm not, I mean, I don't think that's how I'd go about it if I was writing his character, but yeah, I just think that's what they were going for. Everybody is kind of being obnoxious in their own way, and I guess someone thought this fit Casey. It does feel a bit needless, though. Like, I don't know how it services the story, um, but... Yeah, I was, was going to bring it up. It doesn't really serve much purpose for Casey. It didn't kind of go anywhere or do anything it just yeah yeah i felt like they were going to bring something up like his past or something and then you know him lying to ryan about about how his dad used to treat him i thought ryan was gonna find him later and be like hey like you shouldn't lie or you know you shouldn't do this shouldn't do that and i was like nope they just just leave it <laughs> just the fact that the way the girls respond when ryan tells them what casey has just told him and, you know, Ryan's actually quite upset to hear that this boy was abused. And, yeah, like you said, you feel like this is going somewhere. Like, it's going to serve some sort of purpose or some kind of character growth moment. And then the girls, you know, just basically say that Casey must be lying because he told them a completely different story. And they are not at all concerned about this. And then it's completely dropped. Like, it just didn't matter. So, a lot of Casey's actually feel like a waste of time. You don't really know why... They have him acting this way when it doesn't service the story. It doesn't, you know, help Casey grow. It doesn't do anything for his character. I, I just don't know why they chose to go that way with him. Mm. Like, why bring up his past if you aren't going to do anything with it? And you're just going to throw it off like it's a joke. And, um, I mean, there's so much, like you said, uh, Carlin, there, there's a moment that could have happened between Ryan and Casey. There could have been some exploration of Casey and it could have been a great mirror image to what happened with Lex and the fact that he was abused and there wasn't anybody who swooped in to help him. And yet you could have Casey, there's somebody swoops in, but they don't do anything with it. Yeah. And just a waste of potential right there. Yeah. When I was watching, when I was watching this episode on YouTube, all the, a lot of the YouTube comments were saying how disappointed they were that, that they didn't really uh, dive into uh, Casey's uh, you know, past. You know, learning more about him and why he is the the way he is. It's like, oh, you had something you could have used two of your characters, and it could have been great. I would have loved to see a scene like that between Casey and Ryan. You know, really diving into why Ryan felt like he needed to take care of Lex and that nurturer in him, and Casey. You know, maybe finding a different you know person to look up to or just anything. It could have been used for character growth and they just wasted it and wasted your time by forcing you to see it. And yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, 
Yes, I mean, speaking of his past, what do you think is the true story for Casey? Um, do you think he did grow up in a home and not know his parents? Or do you think he did, he did have a dad who beat, beat him? Or is both true? I think Casey's truth is a conglomeration of everything we've learned about him. I definitely believe it's possible that he came from a troubled home with his parents who couldn't get it together. They had complicated relationships. You know, they could be kind and play video games with him. And they could be harsh and they could beat him. And they could also not always be able to keep him. The state would have probably had to call, keep getting involved with this kid. You know what I mean? And taking him out of that home. I think it's all possibly true. We just don't have a context for it. Mm. And he's just coping with it. You know, coping with what freaking happened to him. Not really understanding why. Because he's a child. And, you know, just telling stories about it. I mean, I think I, I would have responded the same way. I was a big storyteller at Casey's age. I didn't think lying was bad because I wasn't trying to do anything bad. I just loved telling these obnoxious stories. And um, I, I think that's how I would have responded to growing up in such a chaotic uh, situation. Yeah. I think um, well, what I like to believe, I believe that Casey and Lex kind of act the same, you know, in similar ways. So... I would like to think that their past kind of was similar, maybe just different events, but you know, the outcome of, you know, who they are is the same. What the? Mines! You're in a minefield! Oh! The dog! Bob! Sit! Sit, boy! Good boy! Now, now stay! Good boy! What are we gonna do? If he moves, he'll get blown to bits. Yeah. So I could wait. Wait, hang on. We've got to think about this. What's to think about? Let's get out of here. As the exploration group have reached Hope Island, the tension suddenly shifts as they discover that they are in, in the middle of a minefield. Um, yeah, Panel, what did you think of that sudden twist um, and Bob having discovered the mines? <laughs> nice! Nice! I loved it. I love that it suddenly turns into like this RPG, uh, uh, RPG quest. <laughs> These obstacles coming up. <laughs> I thought it was great. Like this is actually becomes a danger. First, it's just kind of like, oh, it's what might be fine there. But then when you hit the minefield, you realize how much danger these kids have put themselves in. It catches your attention just like it gets theirs. When that bomb goes off, mwah, chef's kiss. <laughs> So good. <laughs> yeah, I really enjoyed it too. It was <laughs> like you said, definitely like a RPG moment, and um, it definitely raised the stakes to the point where, all right, now we have to find something in this facility, you know, before we head back to the mall. And it, it so reminded me of like an um, a Legends of Zelda kind of game from the '80s, where okay, you have four people on this quest. And every time you come up against a problem, you have to pick the character who's best suited for the problem. <laughs> <laughs> and so I love that about this entire trip because everybody gets to show their strength and the purpose of them being on this trip. And it's also one of my favorite conversations, whether or not they should leave Bob or take... Oh my gosh, freaking love that. It, I woke up as soon as that bomb goes off. I'm like, okay, you've got my attention. I can't wait to see where this goes. Once again, yeah. Good knowledge from Dow as well about mines and... You know, Bray suddenly, you know, immediately being, okay, we, what we need to do is find them. You know what I mean? We're not leaving Bob. And we can't just sit here, find the mines, you know, getting down on his hands and knees. Like, yeah, Bray's doing something awesome. You know, it was just it's a great scene. It's awesome. <laughs> I love everything about it. Lex, if you don't want to help, just sit back and shut up. <laughs> yeah, let's talk about that. <laughs> Lex was willing to... <laughs> To sacrifice Bob to set up all the mines. <laughs> I get it, though. I do. I mean, I would not have sacrificed Bob, but I get the, the pragmatism behind it. Like, dude, he's just a dog, you know? <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, I thought it just made sense, you know? I wasn't surprised or anything. Yeah, I wasn't surprised either. But at the same time, I think throughout this entire episode, I was like, why are we bringing... Bob with us uh, because Bob has a role to play because he's awesome and he's yeah. here today. <laughs> no, well, throughout the entire series, Bob has to be like one of the laziest dogs I've ever seen. <laughs> he is reserving his energy until the moments when it matters. <laughs> but that's it. 
it. Even Bob plays a role in this. That's what I think is so great about this trip. Because even their little magical animal that they brought, it seems perfectly useless, has a part to play. Fantastic. <laughs> I mean, even the blocking of how they discover the mines, that was really smart to use Bob because they come up against the fence. You know, and Lex, they don't, like, they're like, okay, is it electric? What should we do? And Lex is like, oh, you know, we'll use Bob to figure it out. And he throws sticks, which Bob, of course, goes to fetch because he's a dog. And it's when he's throwing those sticks that he finds the mines. I'm like, that was really well orchestrated to get everyone in the physical positions where they need to be, to have Bob separated from them, for them to have to solve this problem. Very clever use of the people, of the characters. Yeah, yeah. I love how Bob is sitting there looking all cute. Like, you guys aren't going to leave me to die, are you? <laughs> oh, my God. His fake dog noises are just, ugh. <laughs> oh, Bob, he's so cute. <laughs> We're not going to leave you. We'll save you, Bob. That was the one unconcerned dog. What did you think of Lex's little joke at the end with the um, supposedly electric fence? <laughs> classic. <laughs> yeah, it's classic Lex. I mean, there's a time and a place to joke around. <laughs> I mean, that just wasn't one of it. It annoys me a little bit, I have to say. I'm a total douche. I would have done it too. Yeah, I feel like from him having his foot on a mine and then him coming out okay, I think he just felt like, oh, well, it's a good day now. <laughs> so let's head back to the mall. Um, Do we have to? <laughs> I know. <laughs> I feel the same way. I, I, it annoys me. This I don't want to see them all. I want to see what's going on on Hope Island. Anyway, what am I supposed to have done? Stopped him telling everybody how Lax planted the water on Bray. Bray had it coming. What? Always playing so high and mighty? That's no reason to use Ryan like that. And the way he treated Trudy. And you. Zandra, it's not fair taking advantage of Ryan. So lay off him, okay? Why? What's it to you? Ryan's a sweet guy and I don't want to see him getting hurt. That's all. Oh, so does he know you fancy him? Grow up, Sandra. I don't say that. I don't want to grow up. Those that are left behind, um, everyone seems to be feeling the tension of events, but in different ways. Um, with Celine feeling guilty after Ryan finds her binging again, he tries to reassure her by telling her that they've all done things that they're ashamed of. And it's this scene that he makes his part in covering up the water scandal. Celine realises that Sandra's manipulation of him and she has it out with her. Um, yeah, panel. what do you think about Celine confronting Zandra? I, I get the sentiment. I'm upset at Zandra for doing it too. Um, but way to deflect from what you just did, Celine. And I get it. You need something to be concentrating on and be distracted from your own concerns. And looking after Ryan, protecting Ryan is your way of doing that. In the same way that Ryan looking after you is his way of not thinking about it. I just don't care. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my gosh, I don't, I just don't care. It's hard for me to care. I, and it does, it, I just, I think this could have been handled better, what these kids are feeling back at the mall, the helplessness of being trapped at the mall, mm -hmm. um, this, this, this tension and the freak out of the fact that you're basically just waiting for death. I mean, what are they going to do if the others don't come back? What do they do if the others get hurt? They have no way of knowing. They can't call. They just have to wait. I feel like they just could have handled this better than the mindless, annoying bickering we have to listen to whenever we're with them. Because there's lots of great material, but they don't do anything with it. It's just noise. Zandra's fears of getting old and freaking out about that. Even the fact that she's not sorry for her part in setting up Bray. That's an interesting conversation we could have had. There's just yeah. some stuff we could have explored about these people. And we don't <laughs> i'm just like why are you making us listen to this crap if you're not going to use it it is interesting zandra's kind of general sentiments towards bray i, I don't know it's, it's, i wish they would have <laughs> they dived deeper into that <laughs> i know i'm like you think bray deserved that because of his behavior fine fair enough what about lex and the things he's done zandra i don't understand your point system and how you value people you know, why not explore this? Why not explore Jack and Tysan's very differing points of view um, on science and spirituality instead of just having them snipe at each other? You could actually do something with these amazing points of view. But no, they're just 
very annoying to have to listen to. Why are you wasting my time? Yeah, I completely agree. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was a complete waste of time. There's a lot of things they could have done with this episode to make it uh, a lot better. Um, even though I still love this episode, but yeah, it's just just unfortunate, especially like Chloe, Patsy, are literally just paintings on the wall in this episode. Yeah. Barely given any lines of dialogue. I mean, Zondra finding the gray hair and her panic at it, you know, this could have led into a very interesting conversation about symptoms of the virus, you know, so mm-hmm. that when Tysan finally sneezes, it would have had more impact because they've all been discussing it and what it means, how will you know if you get it? And, yeah. you know, then it would have had some impact when she suddenly sneezes and everybody's like, uh oh, you know what I mean? I just, but no, they just, they, Zondra yanks it out of her head. She's freaking out. And, to, you know, Celine's like, whatever, who cares? And it's dropped. Okay, I guess it doesn't matter. <laughs> Why are you, you've got all this material and you're doing nothing with it. What is this? Yeah, I agree. I also think that this show. <laughs> makes um i think they put events together on accident so like when zandra found the uh gray hair and she's freaking out that was literally at the same time where bray amber lex and 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 dale find the skeleton with gray hair so yeah they could have totally brought up like everyone slowly getting symptoms of the virus because they allowed glenn to to stay and for you know patsy to roam about i thought that would have been really cool and then to see how they all would have dealt with it maybe some freaking out and maybe some are like just calm calm about it that could have been very thematic too you're right carlin because then the impact of amber seeing their inevitable future would have been like a kick to the gut but yeah they just don't <laughs> it's, it's it's not organized at all again b squad they don't care about the kids at the mall they have to show them doing something but um it could have been done way better. Especially because the writing on the A-team is so good. Like, A-plot is fantastic. B-plot is just, like, uh, obligatory, I guess. Yeah, I mean, considering the reaction of everyone who who are left behind, do you think there should have been a bigger reaction to Tysan becoming sick? If they'd built up to it, yeah, but they don't. So it just falls flat anyway to me, yeah. regardless of how they respond to it. Yeah, it falls flat. And then her sneezes are terrible. They're so bad. <laughs> yeah, her sneezes are terrible. But um, I mean, at this point, we know it's it's the virus. But it could have easily just been the the toxic filth that Lex was spraying into the air. Could be so many things. But I do like the fact that they respond. That everyone kind of gets silent and they're like, "You sneezed," and then even Tyson nervously is like, "It's just dust," you know. And so I do think. It's a cool moment that could have been made so much better if it had been built to, you know, and they'd actually explored these fears and these symptoms that you might get and everybody looking for it so that when she finally does sneeze, you know, it's like lowering the boom. You guys have been bickering about stuff that doesn't matter and the real thing you're all scared of is right here, you know, but they don't do anything with it. So it doesn't land the way it's supposed to and so it just doesn't, it doesn't matter. I think her response is more interesting than theirs. What do you, what do you guys think about um, the near misses that happen in this episode um, in terms of relationships? Because um, we have seen Ryan awkwardly deciding to be just friends. And there's a moment on Hope Island where Bray seems that he's just about to confess his feelings to Amber before he's interrupted to Lex. Um, was this frustrating for you at all or did you not mind it? I think if I was younger and super invested in the relationships, uh, like if I was a shipper or something, I think it would have. But because I was a little older and I didn't actually care that much, it didn't bother me. I didn't really notice. I thought there were cool moments, but I wasn't like, oh my gosh. You know, I, I didn't care if Bray ever confessed his feelings to Amber. I, it'd be cool. Get You know, you figure it out. But um, I didn't really care if he ever did. I didn't care if Celine and Ryan became a couple. So I guess I just wasn't the audience for that. It didn't have any effect on me. I wasn't invested enough to care. Yeah, same with me too. I wasn't that invested. I mean, after just the idea of like, oh, we're going to Hope Island. We're going to find answers. That's what my mind was set on. Like nothing else. No distractions. We have to do this to to save ourselves and potentially the the entire world. 
So I felt like it was that big of a deal. And it was a little bit kind of a cringe a little bit. Just when Bray would always try to just, you know, try to talk to, to Amber and bring up his feelings. Why is he getting so sidetracked? Because the world's ending, Carlin. He could die any day. He's got to tell the girl he cares about before that happens. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> To be fair to the show, I'll put myself in my younger shoes, like, when that stuff would have really mattered to me. And I do think the moments are done well. You know what I mean? I can totally see someone watching Celine and Ryan and being like, oh my gosh, these two are totally going to get it together eventually. And being very excited about that. And I do think the Brian Amber moment is done very well. Especially when I put in the context that Bray's probably never had to ask a girl out. He's never had to do the work. And here he is building up the courage to do the work with Amber. And she's completely clueless at this point, you know, because she gave up on him a long time ago. And so I think the moments are done well. And if I were younger, I would have totally been like, ah, Lex, shut up. <laughs> you ruined it. He was going to say that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they're definitely, it's good conflict for the episode. Because um, this A squad, they totally just bounce off of each other so well. Yes, they do. Because I even thought it was cute when Bray was helping Amber out of the boat. I was like, oh, <laughs> so adorable. <laughs> yeah, they bounce off each other so well. There's good conflict. But it still makes me wish if the other the other mall rats were, um, were there. Like, just to see, like, in that situation, to see uh, Lex, Zandra, and Ryan... Like, how, how they would, you know, react to that with, you know, Lex talking to Zandra, like, as they're married, and then Ryan still kind of wishing he was with, with Zandra. I think it works better that the whole group wasn't at Hope Island. One, it may, I mean, Hope Island is very slick. It's very well written and orchestrated. And just having the four characters and the dog was enough. It would have been a mm -hmm. cluster blank if they had had a much larger group. It is a very cool Mission Impossible style adventure they go on. And it mm. works with just the characters they have. Everything from... I'm sorry, I'm going too far. But um, yeah, it works just the way it is. If it had more characters, I think it would have become very clunky trying to figure out what to do with everybody. And you'd, all you'd be thinking is, why did they bring this many people on this adventure? This is impractical. So I think they were smart to just bring their A squad to Hope Island, especially when you think of how everything plays out. And then I just wish they had done more with the B squad at the mall. They could have had just as good, you know, writing and adventure over there, but nobody wanted to give them anything. So, yeah. What is it? Have you done it? I'm in. I've got the files open. What do they say? I don't know. They're all in code. Uh oh. Code can be cracked. Might take a bit of time, but. Hey, what? It's okay. It's out of the door. Attention, attention. What's that? It's just a recording. Failed to confirm security code. What does it mean? As the A squad um, enter the facility, they are presented with what seems to be various test files, um, what they assume to be the antidote. And it's in this scene that Dow attempts to access the computer systems, which leads to the group being locked inside when he triggers a security alert due to a failed password. Yeah, what was your first impressions of the lab? Um, and what did you think about the end cliffhanger? Oh, I was like the final boss! Like, you think you've gotten through all the threats and you're in the castle and then Bowser shows up and you're like, oh man! Yeah. I thought I I thought I was there, but no, there's one more gigantic thing you have to go against. I thought that was a great escalation of threat. You know, you thought it couldn't get worse than the minefield, and now it's like you're oh, that would terrify me, the idea that the lab was locking down. Mm -hmm. I'm not even claustrophobic, but I would lose it. Because <laughs> that's like one of my biggest fears of being like buried alive or oh my gosh, you like you can see out the window that the outside is right there, but you can't get to it. That's terrifying whoo that was a good cliffhanger yeah it was definitely a really good um really good cliffhanger i was a little bit surprised well i guess not too much time has passed but i was a little surprised that the the lab itself was like still in like really good condition it was weird it's, it's not like it was hermetically sealed they were able to just open the door and get in so right right i mean we, we did see one dead body yeah 
Can we talk about that dead body? <laughs> no, let's, let's skip the dead body. <laughs> oh, come on, you guys. You know you want to talk about that dead body. <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> Wouldn't that be crazy if that was actually Danny's dad? <laughs> <laughs> That's actually great. Okay, that would work for me if that was Danny's dad. I'm sorry, where did they get that prop? Yeah, that was a particularly bad prop. <laughs> <laughs> my favorite part is the kids have to act like they're afraid of it. Oh my gosh. Whew, that was a tiny little scientist. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I was going to say, like, it looked like this scientist weighed about 80 pounds. <laughs> Don't touch it, Dal. <laughs> I love I like the fake spider webs that were supposed to have been his hair. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh. I'm sorry. I know it's terrible. It's a kid show, but every time, every time it gets me. I don't know why. I was was expecting um, there to be a name tag on that ID card, but they never show you or tell you. Yeah, that would have been great. Remember, up in this season, the dead adults don't have an identity. They're just the adults, you know, Mm. who didn't make it. And we don't really discuss them as individuals. We may, they may have been mom or dad, but they didn't have names. You know, they're a monolith that's gone. Yeah, that's a wasted uh, potential. I should ask questions to the, to the tribe official websites and ask, like, did they ever have, like, this whole plan of, like, from point A to B to C of the entire story? Or they literally just made it up as they, as they went along? Because sometimes it just feels like that. I know. I know from interviews, Ray has said that he's always had the a vague outline of what should happen in the show, but the connecting dots haven't exactly been filled out. Right, right, right. Yeah, I think if they would have spent a little bit more time on connecting the dots, I think everything would have just flowed a lot smoother from season to season. Or at least, at least letting those dots organically connect themselves. Right. Yeah. Because it's good to have a roadmap. You need one, but um. Often, in his quest to get from point A to point B, he doesn't care if it makes a whole lot of sense. Like, where mm-hmm. the characters would should have organically taken the highway, instead they just traipse through the forest, and you're kind of like, why would they have taken this path to get to this next point? It's just because he needed them at that next point. And sometimes, oh, yeah. they, sometimes I get it. Sometimes it organically works really well. And then other times you can tell they're just forcing it through. But I think that can happen in any, like, grand epic adventure. Even Game of Thrones is guilty of it, so. Yeah. Do you think they did um, the lab quite well? Yeah, I mean, that was pretty good. I mean, I didn't have much to compare it to. I was like, you know, I've seen labs in schools. So I was like, this is, this is okay, I guess. Pretty simple, but whatever. I kind of felt like the room should have been bigger and, like, we weren't seeing the whole room. Yeah, <laughs> I felt that as well. Like, there was a whole bunch of stuff behind the camera that we weren't seeing. We were just seeing what's important. <laughs> but I forgave it. It was fine. <laughs> yeah, the lab was fine. Um, maybe looking back at it, I kind of wish it was a little bit more... Maybe a little bit more menacing, you know? Like, they're afraid to enter inside this lab because maybe there's, like... There, there could have been, like, another dead skeleton... Um, you know, bottles of liquids would have just been all over the place. I do think there's something innocuously awesome about the fact that the lab is so simple and clean and sterile because it figures that, you know, in our sterile scientific world that we would create something that literally wipes out everybody. It's so dangerous. And yet when you look at the places where they're created, they don't look deadly. They don't look dangerous. They look very innocent and, um, I, I don't I don't know why I like that, but I think it just makes sense that the lab looks, oh, you know, like there's nothing wrong here. And yet they created the virus that just destroyed the world, you know. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I do like that, too. It reminds me of like the old Fallout games. <laughs> they were just innocently experimenting, you know, took one step too far because even the Jurassic Park labs looked sterile and clean and nice and innocent. <laughs> And they're really creating an abomination against nature. <laughs> that's yeah. how you that's how you get backers and funders and stuff. That's how you get them. You have to make it look like what you're trying to do is so innocent. So they'll give you money. Just a, like a side <laughs> side thing, but I kinda wish they'd done the Pandorax logo a bit put a bit more effort into it. <laughs> it's just a P on a circle background. I was like, oh 
even if it more in depth. But you have to admit, there's a nine-year-old out there who was like, I know what that stands for. They thought they were so clever. Like, I, that P, it must stand for Pandora. <laughs> <laughs> My favorite is uh, the generator room just has a sign that says generator room. <laughs> yeah, and I was so surprised that that even worked. Like, Yeah. That gets me every time. I'm like, oh, that was, that's so nice that they label it. Yeah. Um, and then also in the lab, I thought it was actually kind of funny that the computer was, uh, you know, operational. Because I would imagine without the generator room, everything would have just shut down completely and it would have to, like, boot up. <laughs> yeah. But knowing that computer probably would have took days. <laughs> the tribes was still... Um, I think it suffers from 90s computer syndrome. Now, in the 90s, computers weren't... I mean, they, people had computers, but the internet and stuff was becoming more... It was still this magical thing. Most people didn't know how it worked. Most people did not know how computers could solve any kind of problems. So if you look back at any movies or TV shows that focus on computers or hacking in the 90s, they literally can do anything. They're magical. You just press a few buttons. and Because most of us had no idea how computers worked. You know, if we had one in our home, we used it at best to play some games or maybe some word processing. And the, you know, early 2000s is when the internet and computers became more ambiguous for everybody. And then we realized they aren't magic. I mean, they're awesome. They're fantastic. But we understand their limits and what they can and cannot do. But until that became the thing, we were willing to watch people do stuff with computers that's impossible. (laughs) (laughs) And not know any better. So I feel like the tribe suffers from that because... Think about five seasons, everything they make computers do. And their young audience wouldn't know any better, you know? And you look at it and you're like, oh my gosh, this is so stupid. <laughs> it's very dated. It would have fit so perfectly in, like, crap that happens in the later seasons, especially season five, would have worked so well in the mid-90s. A movie like Hackers or Lawnmower Man or whatever. Like, they don't actually do that, you guys. So yeah, you have these characters who just click a few buttons and they can basically make these computers do anything and they can access any files and, you know, it's like, realistically, none of that would happen, but suspension of belief. Yeah, it's, it's like the CSI enhance feature. Like, why don't you just look at it enhance feature in the first place? <laughs> right, right. Yeah. And I also, when when Dale was on the computer, I was actually trying to <laughs> figure out what the password could be. <laughs> I was like, what what would it be? I probably would have just put Pandorax <laughs> just to see if that would have worked. Uh, like, I really wondered what 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 Dale was typing. Uh, yeah, corn. He was typing corned beef. Ketchup. <laughs> 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 Yeah, I, I, I bet it was. I bet the password would be something like really simple too. Really simple. I can't remember my own passwords. There's no way I could have guessed that one. Yeah, yeah. There's no way they were they were guessing that. Yeah. If anything, I don't know. Maybe, now I'm like looking at it from like a hacker's approach. If anything, maybe they should have just like reboot the whole computer and maybe try to log into an email and then from that email look at passwords. <laughs> Carlin's really he's like I'm gonna figure this out I need to know what Dell was yeah, I feel like I probably would have figured it out but not like from type guessing at a password but maybe looking at other things around maybe the that key card could have had something you know like maybe it was like an identity card and you can look up that person's name look them up in the computer look at their employee number then their email and then you can like solve it from there. Not bad. That's that's good. See, now that just makes me want to know about that guy, that body. Yeah. Like, why was he still there? Oh, it was, it's, it's Danny's like, dad. <laughs> why didn't he go home to his family? I just think that's so sad that he stayed there till he was so sick that he just collapsed in the hallway by the front door. Mm. Oh, you know who could have been? It actually could have been a janitor. That's why this place looks so like really good. And then <laughs> just happens to die there. But he ended up oh, finishing man. his job. He was, de- he was devoted. Maybe this is all he had in life. You know what I mean? And he made sure everything got shut down properly. And maybe he was going outside to do one last task. 
and he just collapsed because he was so weak. He's like, I'm just going to stay here and take a nap, and that was it. Yeah, I've always wondered about that guy. <laughs> His legacy will live on. <laughs> well, we're assuming that the antidote was made at Hope Island and shipped off to all the major cities, right? That's where the prototype is supposed to have been made, yes. Okay, I'm sorry. You you said it, so I'm going to say it. You you said the word. I'm, okay. I hate the fact that this is called the antidote because it didn't cure anything. It wasn't an antidote. I, I, don't under, I don't understand why they would even call it that when at best it's like a beta test because it clearly didn't cure a single adult. So I don't know why they would call it a cure or an antidote. It didn't work. I don't know why you would mass produce something that doesn't work. It's a point. <laughs> it drives me bananas. And I'm only saying it because you brought up the word antidote. And I'm like, okay, okay. <laughs> I'll go into it much later in other episodes. But yeah, it drives me bananas. I get it. This is where they were. It's a prototype. And it season one still follows those rules. It's an antidote, like a, a prototype. They were obviously testing. They were developing it here. It even behaves like a prototype. But when you find out later that it was called an antidote and that they mass produced it and sent it all over the place. And I'm like, it didn't cure anybody. And you didn't know about the, the second strain that was going to affect the kids. Stop calling it an antidote. <laughs> well, yeah, that's, that's, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there's like a secret society of cured adults somewhere. <laughs> exactly. The only way it could actually be function as an antidote is if there were still adults walking around yeah otherwise it would have just been a failed test that's all it would have been they wouldn't have mass produced a failed test oops yeah <laughs> yeah that's true yeah <laughs> <laughs> that's stupid that's a good point <laughs> yeah that's true it's definitely not an antidote and then i guess later later on in the show i guess like in season two you, you didn't learn that they didn't need it like certain certain people like just never took it and didn't need it. We will get into that. Yeah, we'll get to that. Yeah, that's yeah, <laughs> a whole weird situation. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy, yeah. So yeah, so a uh, marks out of ten for the episode. Oh, um, what can I call it? Okay, a plot is an A plus for me. B plot, ugh. I'm gonna I'm gonna pass you, but it's just because I don't want like to bring down the grade point average for everybody else. <laughs> 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 yeah, I absolutely love this episode. Um, I rewatch it all the time, so definitely an A minus. <laughs> I just I hate every time we have to go back to the mall. Yeah, it ruins the momentum for me, and I feel like those two plots could have coincided really well together, and they could have complemented each other, but they just don't, you know. And so it's like when we're on Hope Island, man, friggin' fantastic! This is so good, and then they just stop momentum in its tracks, make us go back to the mall. And it's not entertaining. It's irritating to be there. And I'm just like, please, I want to go back to... I'd rather go back to the minefield than deal mm -hmm. with these people. So <laughs> I'm with Carlin. A minus. Just because the mall, the mall, the ones you left behind are dragging down the grave. That brings episode 42 to a close. Thank you very much to the panel. And we'll see you next time for episode 43. So until then, bye. Goodbye. Bye.